When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reshot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Let's go indeed. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 6.30 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Glad to have you along for the ride. A lot to talk about this evening. Of course, we'll uh, see what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. What will happen next? The trade deadline is a week from today. You know some guys are going to be finding new homes, and this is now all leading into what could very possibly be a major roster shakeup in the summer. And why not? The team is once again in last place in the entire National Hockey League. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan, who says that is definitely weighing on his team. Lots of open line time tonight. 780-496-0063. 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. You are welcome to jump in right now if you like. Rob Brown's going to check in tonight as well. That'll be fun. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet as we uh, already have some trades to talk about. The Calgary Flames get Hunter Shinkarik from the Vancouver Canucks. Going the other way is center Marcus Granlund. The Toronto Maple Leafs continue to kind of clean out their roster. They send defenseman Roman Polak and center Nick Spalling to San Jose for forward Rafi Torres and second-round picks in 17 and 18. Of course, yesterday, the Leafs sent Sean Mathias to the Colorado Avalanche for a fourth-round pick and a prospect. So uh, the Leafs not overly concerned about their position in the standings. And uh, how concerned should the Oilers be about their position in the standings at this point? The playoffs are completely out of the question. Uh, unless you happen to believe the Oilers can go undefeated the rest of the way, which I do not. Um, Even then, they might not get in. Um, So it it, it is a situation where I I think Peter Shirelli has seen a lot. I think Todd McClellan has seen a lot. And quite frankly, over the last three games, well, four games they've lost in a row, they lost to the Jets, the 2-1 in a shootout, Uh, it, it... I mean, I hate to say this, but the Oilers look like a team incapable of winning a game. They 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 look very lost to me at this point in the season. And maybe they're waiting for the other shoe to drop with the with the trade deadline. Who knows? But McClellan had had this to say on the mood of the team with the deadline around the corner. Um, well, there those are human beings in there, and it doesn't matter if you're in first or thirtieth. Um, there's not many jobs in the world where you can just be traded and sent off and you've got to pack your family up and get somebody out of school and get on a plane and and go to another country. Um, 
so it plays on their minds. Um, they can say they don't listen or, or read what you guys write, but they do. And uh, they know what's going on in the hockey world. They have agents that, that inform them. They have players on the other team that are hearing rumors. So it affects everybody. Um, you know, we're in a different mode right now than what Washington is. Um, what I've found is when you're where Washington is, there's a little more excitement. And, um, you know, everybody's anticipating a, uh, a new body or two to walk in just to put you over the top. And that can be dangerous because if it doesn't happen, then you're a little disappointed. Um, here, we're looking at the future a little bit more and, and what changes we need to make over the next seven days. And uh, we'll make decisions that way. But um, I don't know if I'm right. I just have a sense that the whole group, our whole group's a little bit nervous, where in the past, maybe the upper end, for sure, guys, if you want to call them that, um, their names haven't often come up in the media. But like, Poor Nuge isn't even playing, and his name's still coming up. So um, they're feeling that, and maybe in the past they haven't. So our whole group is a little uneasy, and it should be. We're in 30th place. So uh, uneasy, nervous, certainly uneasy about being in last place, but uneasy about the trade deadline as well. And McClellan makes a good point. In the past, there have been those for sure guys that you knew weren't going to be traded and were associated with uh, being here long-term. I, I think that list has dwindled down, certainly over the course of the season. I, I mean, in, in my mind, the only guy that I, I would be baffled to see traded is Connor McDavid. Now, there is a short list of other players that I think it's unlikely that, that are going to be traded, or, or I would suggest there better be a, a pretty nice return if they did get moved out. But given where we have seen this team go, and, and given that the team has, has, the organization has committed to Shirelli and McClellan in those leadership positions of manager and coach respectively, it's now, for the most part, the players that are going to be changed. And, and, and I know, certainly with the team being in last place, there's more criticism being levied at, at Shirelli and McClellan than there have been at any other point in the season. Uh, that certainly comes with the job and comes with the team's record. Uh, but I don't think those men are going to be replaced. So, in terms of the on-ice performance, that leaves the players to be replaced, and, and like it or not, many players who have been here through several disappointing seasons, I think now you would look at them saying, are, are all these guys part of a short, medium, long-term solution? And I think in my mind, the answer is increasingly uh, no that you, you can't keep this group as assembled together. You can let me know what you think by texting 630-630. The open line is 780-496-0063. We have Jeremiah on the line. Jeremiah, thanks for calling. Hey, Reid. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Okay, I got a couple uh, comments here. Maybe you could just uh, elaborate on them a little bit. One is, uh, I guess everyone talks about you know, Clef Bomb being, you know, brings so much to the team. But I look at it a little bit of the guy really doesn't have that much as a whole NHL experience, right? Mm -hmm. So, one, you're paying this guy huge dollars now, right? So anyone, any guy who comes in with, say, 400 games under their belt and is a pretty decent guy is going to want, well, probably at least what that guy's making, what Clefbaum's making, right? Yeah, well, his or new contract will start next year, right? 
and that's what is it? Isn't it like seven million or something a year? No, no, it's just over four a year. Okay, and then so that's one. The next uh, the next comment is um, let's use Derek Roy for an example. He's a veteran player that brought that brought lots to the team, you know, right away because he's a veteran player to help out some of these young kids. And it's almost like there's not enough veteran presence around there to, you know, kick these young guys in the ass, right? Well, a couple things, Jeremiah. Uh, Clefbaum starting next season will make $4.17 million per season. I'm rounding that up slightly. Uh, okay. So it's not going to be an extravagant salary, but you're going to expect some performance for him. Uh, I, I agree. If Oscar Clefbaum had been healthy for the last 30 games, does that help the Oilers? Of course it does. Does he have them with a drastically better record? I, I don't think so, because he's still no. a guy at 107 NHL games who's still learning. I wish he would have played the last 30 games, but I don't want to overestimate what the impact would have of him being in the lineup. Because even with him in the lineup, he plays 20 minutes a game. That's still 40 minutes when he's not on the ice. I- I'm not a believer that this team is way better with Clefbaum in the lineup. I think you make a great point, Jeremiah, about Derek Roy in general. And-, and I was fine with Derek Roy not being here this season because he's he still is more in the mold of an offensive player, but he wouldn't have been in an offensive role here. So I don't think he kind of fits into the NHL anymore, given his skill set and where he is in his career. And let's face it, nobody else in the NHL signed him. But I think you make a good point. And the Oilers can't continue to be a team where most of the key players are under the age of 25, because I think that has hurt them. I think that is a big reason why they're in the situation they're in. And if Shirelli's going to go out and get key players in the summer, they need to be 25, 28, 30, 31. I really think they have to be in that range, preferably guys who have won or been deep into the playoffs, who understand what it takes, who work hard consistently. And if you're a forward, you can forecheck and you can score goals in and around the blue paint because those are all things that they are lacking. This, this, this is an inexperienced team. That, that doesn't handle adversity well. And it's been that way for several, several years. And I think it's be, if it, in large part because too much was asked of some of the younger players too soon. And, that's, and as excellent as McDavid is, I don't think you can make that same mistake with number 97. No. And then w- one more comment there um, is why don't they – or maybe they're going through whatever. Let's use Yakupov as one, and let's use Schultz as another. Like, those guys, those guys, it's almost like they're tainted now, right? I don't think, they probably don't enjoy coming to that rink. As much as someone might say, yeah, they do, you know, you know how it is in a workplace, right? If things are going south in the workplace and you kind of you don't want to go to work, are you really performing at work? Well, I'm sure it's tough for Justin Schultz to hear booze when his name is called in the starting lineup. That can't be pleasant no matter how tough you are, right? So then, so then, okay, instead of, you know, it's obviously it's getting a draft, probably going to get addressed this year, but sometimes maybe you just as a team, you got to cut your ties with those players and, 
and, you know, wish them luck as they go on to another team and stuff, right? Instead of, oh, well, we think that they're going to be, we think they're going to be, we think we're going to be, and all of a sudden, four years down the road and they haven't progressed, right? Jeremiah, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it. 780-496-0063. i got to take a quick timeout. Mark is up next. We do have open phone lines inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Of course, the Oilers will play the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night. End of the Oilers' six-game homestand. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, the game will start at 7. The Oilers just 1-3-1 and one so far on their homestand. They are winless in their last 4-0-3-1. Oh, Quick look at the scoreboard here. Blue Jackets and Bruins 2-2 in the second period. Washington is home to Arizona. That game is tied 1-1 in the second period. After 1, the Predators and the Habs are tied 1-1. The Sharks and St. Louis just underway. No score yet. All right we got guys on the line here. We're going to start this part off with Mark, 780-496-0063. Good evening, Mark. Yes, good evening, Reed. got a couple things for you. Sure. First thing, uh, uh, what your comment was for the commercial, I agree with that, that they got to bring in a guy 26 to 30 years old. But I'm saying a guy with some clout who's accomplished something in the past and a guy who can stand up and lead them in the dressing room. You're one of your statements where it's heard them in the past. These young guys is hauling them come up, and as it is today, as it stands, like when you get like Eberle, like for just not him in particular because the whole team does it, but when he did that fly-by goal against uh, Barry the other night against Colorado, yeah. that's a rookie mistake, not a six-year veteran. The thing is, they've had nobody who can even now today. I'm not in that dressing room, but I can't come up with a guy who can stand up in the room and say enough of these kind of plays. We're never going to win like this. Because, like, Hall's maybe got some leadership, but he does it just as often as the other guys. To have any, you know, jam behind your statement, you can't be making the goofs like that. And I I just don't think there's anybody in the dressing room right now that is like that. I really don't. I think they got one in the making, in McDavid, obviously, but he's not there yet. Yeah, fair comment, and you're right. We don't. I mean, you can. And people say, "Well, you're you're there." Yeah, I'm in there interviewing guys. I'm not. You don't. You yeah. you don't know for sure. But I understand what you're saying about a guy with clout who can say it and yeah. say, "Trust me, Back I up. do it. I've done it in the past. Winning it. teams, I've been on it. Behave this way, That's so you better I mean, do it." Someone like that, not like a Hendricks, and I'm all. I love the guy and stuff, but not like him who's just a third, fourth liner, hard hat guy. Like someone, like I said, with some clout who's done it. Maybe even got a cup ring. Something like that. The other thing I want to say is uh, I think another mistake they made in the past, which comes back to bring these guys in, is this endless parade of trading real players for just these picks. That aren't going to help you for years down the road. Like uh, Schillerelli changed that a little bit last year by getting a guy a couple years ahead in Reinhardt. He's still a ways. But, like, there's just an endless list of Petrie, Hemsky, uh, Horkoff, um, Penner, just all for picks. And you can't do you got to end that cycle. You can't keep shipping out players off your roster for picks. It doesn't work. Well, and that's what, and you wonder, look at what the Leafs are, are doing today. I mean. But they're in the infantries of the rebuild. I'm, they are. I'm they are. Good point. Now, good, good point. 24 year old, 23 year old guys, you can't be doing that because those picks, 
I, there was some article written. I, I even talked to Stoffer today. After the first round, I think it's like five or six percent chance of them ever making it to NHL. And then how many years? When the, even the best case scenario, like the Penner pick, sure we got uh, cluff bomb out of it, right? But how many years did it take? Three years. Well, yeah, and he stood. He's still and not he's at still the peak of his of, career, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah you're, exactly. you're right. Mark, thanks for listening, man. You bet. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's six twenty four. By the way, remember uh, the Ward twelve by election is tonight. So uh, keep it tuned to six thirty. Chad, we'll give you results as soon as we get them. I believe I'm even running in that. There's like thirty two candidates or something. Maybe Wally's one of the candidates too. Hey, Wally, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, I actually thought about it, but I figured uh, let the, let the other fifty people get uh, right. go after it. <laughs> What's on your mind, man? Well, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about. I've been listening tonight, and you know, talking about bringing in this, you know, this twenty-eight year old or twenty-six year old, a thirty-one year old player. You know, I just listened to the other caller. You know, with some clout, maybe a cup ring. The real part that I want to get your point of view on is: can Cicerelli actually do that? Um, the other GMs haven't been able to do it simply because Edmonton isn't a location. The players want to come to when you get those type of players. A lot of them have no trade contracts, yep. or they have they get to select where they're going. Um, and you know, even to try to attract somebody on free agency, you know, we always have to pay more, even for the underachievers. So I, I just don't see it. Um, the last part of the um, the last part of the uh, of, of it is is there's there is leadership in that room. It's just not good leadership. Um, you know, this whole idea of having to bring somebody in. Um, you know, to, to, to kind of beef up the dressing room. I mean, these guys are six, seven-year veterans. Uh, well, yeah, Hall's in year six. Sure, Hall and Everly are, are in year six. They have some other guys, I guess, in that age range, like Pouliot and Purcell, but there's just not the consistency there. You're, you're right. It, it's not going to be e- – what Shirelli has to do here, Wally, is very difficult because the farm system isn't very well stocked either. Um, but I, I still think if if you wind up offering a Hall or an Eberle or a Nugent Hopkins, and I think at least one of those three guys is going to be traded, you would hope you could get some sort of established player back from a right. team that's in a cap situation, um, you, you know, or a team that is going to have defensemen who are going to be RFAs like Anaheim. Now, maybe those guys aren't, you know, if you get a Vatnin, for example, he's going to be 25 later this year. Uh, that's on the back end, obviously. But you make a very good point about free agency. You're probably going to have to overpay like you did for Sekera. I guess you would hope that you're offering someone a chance to be possibly on McDavid's line, especially if Everly's not here or it's a guy that could push Pouliot down. Right. Yeah, I mean, but I, I totally I mean, understand what anything, you're saying. Anything's possible, I guess. But, I mean, I've just been watching this for so many years. It's the same thing, and... I mean, even McTavish said it pretty clear. Nobody, you know, nobody, uh, you know, the city is a is a is a negative uh, for a lot of hockey players. I mean, it's the system. I think is why we've been trapped here. You know, with this whole cap system, you can't dump contracts. You can't you can't do anything. Yeah. And and if you do bad, you have bad management. You just suffer for life, right? Um, well, Wally, I have heard, and again, you hear things through the grapevine. I have heard that. There of, of players who have ten team no trade clauses. There's mm-hmm. a significant percentage of them that have all seven Canadian teams on their list. Oh, that would be Inclu- nice. including good. Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. Not just right. the Edmonton and Winnipeg's of the world. Yeah, it's some some players don't want to play in Canada. You're yeah. right. Thanks for calling, man. Thanks. Take.
That is Wally, 780-496-0063. If you're on hold, you're up next after the news. I'll get to some texts as well and some more McClellan comments on Inside Sports. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Back to the phone lines here in just a minute. I just want to catch up on some uh, other means of getting hold of, ins- of Inside Sports. Reed Wilkins with you tonight. Thanks for tuning in at 6.35. Got a tweet here from Nate in Vegas who says a uh, second-round pick has a uh, much greater than 5% chance of playing in the NHL. He's attached to draft. Second-round pick, around 40% chance of playing in the NHL. That's picks from 2000 to 2009. Uh, and then all the other uh, picks down to rounds 5, 6, and 7, all around 12, 15%. Second-tier thinkers tweets me. He says, the Oilers' forwards are not the problem. The D is beyond horrible. <laughs> is that Shaq that said that about Craig Sager's jacket? I believe so, yeah. Uh, Clefbaum makes an enormous I- impact on the blue line. Yeah, I see, I, I actually think that there there are problems in the forward core as well. And I and I realize that the defense is a, p- a pretty big problem. I, I I don't think there's enough forechecking presence and blue paint finish uh, on the forward core. I, I don't deny the problems on the defense, but but I don't want to give the forwards a free pass on this team either. Couple of text messages. Uh, just quickly want to read. Uh, Dave says, "I believe with McDavid and the coaching staff, the Oilers will have a better chance of getting a top player." While another texter says it's time for the Oilers coaching staff to rethink the way they are teaching, start teaching, stop blaming the defense, coach the team properly. I give an F to the coaching staff. That is uh, from an unnamed texter to 630-630. On the phone line, we have Tony standing by. Tony, thank you for calling. Hi, Reed. Hello. I'm just calling about Wally's comment, your last caller, about he was saying McTavish was calling this a negative city in certain respects. Uh, yeah, I think he meant a. Yeah, I'm not sure which for players coming he's here. Referring to, but yeah, for players basically coming here. But you know what? It's him and Lowe that fostered that. Like, uh, uh, like you know, when McTavish went back to business school and got his diploma and came running back, he jumped in the air and you know Kevin Lowe met him halfway and Kevin Lowe hired him, and we know what happened after that. Then even Lowe fired his own brother from the training staff. I guess he was using the wrong tape and stuff. And, you know, they've always had a whipping boy, those two. We got rid of one. We still got one left. And all they say is, like, McTavish and his minions. Uh, at this fringe, I think I can get a play going there. And I'm telling you, there's a, there's a lot of material there. And, like, the farm team, it's the scouting. That's all shot. And the you know, mistakes they made way back when, from Ryan Smith to Glenn Cross to the Horkoff contract. And I'm telling you, the only thing we've got going good now, for sure, is this coach. He's real good. And I'm telling you, Everybody knows you keep McDavid and you keep this coach, definitely. And, you know, sorely but surely, but they made so many mistakes, they're going to have to gut this team and start over. You know, that's Tony, a, that's, that's about it. Tony, some people are starting to criticize the coach. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you think? No way. That coach is excellent. No way. He's a very good coach. No one's listening. And um, I don't know how much support he gets from the ownership and what kind of relationship he has with the GM. But I got a feeling maybe his hands are tied in, and Shirelli, too, from past stuff. And I don't want to get too political and hate anymore or mean-spirited, but uh, no, the coach is real good. And that's why I'm saying they should gut that team. 
they're not kids anymore. They're old enough. And that's been a young team since 1990. So, you know, that doesn't work. That does, I, don't, I don't play into that anymore. Yeah. Tony, thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it. 780-496-0063 coming up on 639. Do you want to mention Jordan Osterley expected to play tomorrow? He's up from the farm team. Nikita Nikitin has been sent back down. That's your Action Furnace Oilers report. Action Furnace is the home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Check them out online, actionfurnace.ca. Ottawa Senators will be the opponent tomorrow evening. Chris from Phoenix making his uh, semi-regular phone call. He's been pretty regular lately. Chris, uh, how are things in Phoenix today, man? Oh, it's kind of warm, you know. <laughs> kind of warm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's getting, it's getting up there. It's kind of worrying me. Now, um, why do you get worried about really, the warm weather? Well, it's it, it's starting off kind of early, so that's that's where I'm getting oh, okay. at. It's kind of worrying me because if it's starting this early, you know, we're going to be hitting triple digits here pretty soon, and then that's just going to, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be bad. But uh, you guys were okay. kind of warm up there too. I six degrees is like that's like springtime almost up there. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's not even a lot of snow left in a lot of areas of town too, which is kind of interesting to see in February for sure. Well, so. awesome. I'm not going to comment too much on uh, Saturday. Actually, the only thing I am going to comment is um, you are a thousand percent right on the forwards. The forwards, there, there's an issue with the forwards. Even even a blind person could could watch the Oilers game. They can see when they have success. And there were spurts in that game when they had sustained pressure when the forwards actually tried to forecheck and they were pinning the, 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 the Avs in their own end and it was successful. But they just don't do that on a more regular – I don't know if they're afraid to hit, if they just don't want to lay the body. I, I just – I don't get it. Um, it. It's just – it's been an ongoing thing for the last few years. And as far as the coaching, the coaching is great. People should just lay off the coach. This this guy inherited this team. Same thing with Shirelli. We we I'm going to bring this up again. We failed to realize that nobody wanted to come to Edmonton to coach, let alone to play, and let alone to run the team. You know, the, and that that's going from from the bottom all the way to the top. You, from from scouts to coaches to to players. Do we, did we honestly believe during the, the debacle that was the last 10, 15 years that a high-end coach or a high-end scout is going to leave a cush job somewhere better to come to Edmonton and, and, and be a part of one? And I'm not, I'm not going to bash the, the investors group because they saved the team. But you got to understand, there was like 30 owners for crying out loud. Right. You know what kind of a gong show <laughs> that was? What person in the right mind would want to do that? You know, you're 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 answering not just one person, but the thirty. But uh, I regress on that. Um, I have a couple of trade trade suggestions, and and then we'll go from there. What I think this team needs is we need somebody like uh, like that uh, that Tyson. Uh, I forget what his name. Tyson Barry. Tyson Barry. Yeah, he's had an excellent season for sure. And and I, I am thinking that uh, I heard, I heard somewhere that uh, you know they're a budget team, so. I wouldn't mind seeing us make a run for him in the in the off season if we can't. We probably won't be able to get him uh, by the trade deadline, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing us go after him and 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 try. Uh, I'm going to beat this 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 drum again, but Hamonic. If we can get Hamonic and a Tyson Berry on that back end, and then I don't know what we're going to do with our forward group with the, with the three centers. I don't know if it's going to be. I, I want to keep Ryan Nugent Hopkins if if at, if at all possible because we we're seeing what a lack of center depth is doing right now. Um, so, so possibly, 
you know, add a, a bigger body forward that can crash and bang and actually score like a Lucic type, you know. Yep. Um, and then and then a third line center, a third line center that can at least put up 15 goals and bang and win faceoffs because right now we've got. I have nothing against Latestu, but Latestu on the power play, he should not be on the power play. No, and he'd be the first all. one to tell you that. Yeah. Exactly, but uh, a great show, and that's all I have, Reed. And uh, well, probably again, talk to you Wednesday. Year, so. <laughs> okay, all right, man. Thanks, Bye. Chris. Tyson Berry is a restricted free agent. He's currently making two point six million dollars. He had fifty three points last season. He's probably going to have around that total again this season. I mean, this could be a five six million dollar player. Uh, the Avalanche have Eric Johnson under contract for six million dollars a year until uh, when? Until a while, until 2023. They have Bochum at four and a half for a couple of more years. So, yeah, I mean, does, does something happen there with Tyson Berry? Is someone going to offer Sheetham? Would the Avalanche trade his rights if they can't afford to sign him? He's definitely one to watch. I'm going to bring in Michael. Michael, just hang on for 30 more seconds because I want to play a clip here from Todd McClellan today. He made some comments last week or a couple of weeks ago, I guess, that, that he feels they score enough. He says, we're, we're, we score enough to be in the mix. Like a, we, we, His point was that they, they score enough compared to other teams who are in playoff range. And he talked about that a little bit again today. And especially listen to the back half of this. You know, on the other day, I, I mentioned that, uh, uh, and it was open for debate, that we, I believe we can score enough if we prevent more. If we're preventing more, we're not in our end as much. We maintain momentum in the game. We have smaller dips emotionally. And um, our game against uh, uh, Colorado the other day is a prime example. Their, uh, what was it, their, their second goal. That's a preventable goal, you know, at, uh, at the midget junior level. And uh, we just don't communicate. Um, and it's in our net. So we have to eliminate those from our game. Preventable goal at the midget and junior level. No communication on the ice. And that's been something other coaches have dealt with uh, as well. And you wonder why they they refuse to do it. I don't know. we got Michael on the line. Michael, thanks for calling. Oh, hi, Reed. Uh, I just want to make a comment about, about the coach once again. I think it's absolutely ludicrous that people would even suggest that, that, that it, this team is a coaching problem. Todd McClellan has proven himself at numerous levels, not only in San Jose, but at the World Championship level. You know, if you look back at the Oilers' coaches in regards to the coaches that we've had in the past five, six years, the only one that's really debatable, I think, is Dallas Akins. And at the end of the day, I didn't think Ralph Kruger was a bad coach. I didn't think Tom Rennie was a bad coach. The players have to take a look in the mirror and examine what they're doing for this team, what they're doing for, for their other teammates, and realistically, if they can answer that, that, that they're, they're working in a positive uh, fashion towards a common goal, and that would be success as an oiler, then it would be fine. But I guarantee you, if they were honest, they wouldn't all be uh, answering that same question in a positive manner. That's all i got to say. All right, Michael, thanks a lot for calling. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Dave says uh, Barry would be a $7 million player if he played for the Oilers. Uh, Gord says, what could this forward group be if Lander had grown this year instead of regressed? Well, that would help a lot. Uh, Mills says, hey, Reed, I wish it was as easy as Hall for Shattenkirk and our first-round pick for Hamannick 
but I'm calling it if we get the first overall, we're trading it for Oliver ekman Larson. That is from Mills. All right, three points. Dave is next on the line, 780-496-0063. we got to take a timeout, 646 on Inside Sports on 630 Jet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Rob Brown coming up in the next half hour of the show. That Ward 12 by-election, keep it tuned to 630 Chet. You will have results from us as soon as we get them. I think you can vote till 8 o'clock, I believe. Uh, so if you're in Ward 12, go vote. Take your transistor radio so you can listen to Inside Sports while you're in line. That's my advice for you as we bring in Jeff. Jeff, are you in Killam? Hey, yeah, I am. Yeah. Are, are, do, do the Wheat Kings still play in the Northeastern Junior B League? They do. They do. They're they're around two right now. Oh, so they beat somebody in the first round then. Good stuff. They did, yeah. Yeah, they had a good series there, you bet. Right on. What's on your mind tonight, man? Well, you know, I'm listening to the people talk. And I'll be quite honest with you, I'm not a huge Oiler fan, but, of course, I'm in Alberta, and... Right. I don't mind them, and I get stuck watching them a lot. But they, it seems like Edmonton's been a it's been a coach's graveyard. Like they bring guys in, they let guys go, and now they finally got a good coach, and he's starting to take heat now. Right? I yep. think it's to the point where management, where where ownership has to take responsibility. Like everybody says, you know, they have a hard time getting guys to go to Edmonton. They got the future of this league. They got McDavid now. There's no reason. There's guys out there that want to come to Edmonton and play with this kid. They just got to go out and find him. You know, when the other when the other teams in this league struggled, like the Blackhawks did years ago, like L.A. did, like St. Louis did, like Boston did, their ownership turned those teams around. They were only drawing 10,000, 12,000 fans per game, and they were losing money, and ownership had to turn it around, and they did. Edmonton, for some reason, I, I don't know why they can't do that. Like, their ownership, I don't know if it's because the money's coming in still and they're really not too worried about putting a, a winning team on the ice until the seats are empty or if they, like, where's it at? Well, I mean, Daryl Cates has owned the team for how many years now? Eight? Like, yeah. I, I'd have to go back yeah. and check. And, and, the, and the team hasn't changed yet. Right, and I and I think that I think the I think Cates bears some of that responsibility because he didn't step in and change out a lot of the people in leadership positions who were at the helm of some very bad years. And I think you know Rob and I used to joke the last couple of years on overtime open line about the phrase "old boys club." But there were a lot of ex-Oilers in key positions who held those positions even through losing seasons. Um, Now, clearly, with Nicholson coming in, McClellan coming in, and Shirelli coming in, I mean, to me, Jeff, if I'm hiring somebody, I want somebody with experience. And, And, I mean, look, Shirelli and McClellan, I'm not saying you can't criticize them, because certainly you can. But... The advantage to me of those men is experience and success. And I know people are going to say, well, McClellan never won the Stanley Cup. Okay, you know what? He was a lot closer to it the last seven years than the Oilers <laughs> ever were. So I've been there. So I think, and, and you know, you're right. There's a lot of blame to go around. Does some of it fall in Daryl Cates' lap? Yeah, you're darn, you're darn right it does because he had the ability to make massive changes sooner than he did. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the 
the, the rebuilding stage has to end and they got to start moving forward. I mean, it's, it's the same song and dance. They got kids there. They got young guys there. You're right. They got to go out. They're going to have to spend some money. I mean, I don't know what, what where Edmonton's cap is right now, but I look at some of these other teams in the league. Again, I'll go back to, you know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and the talent that they got, and they can afford them. There's no reason why Edmonton, they're going to have to dish out some cash, and they're going to have to get someone. I mean, that's there's just no ifs, ends about it. Yeah, they don't. Team, they got to get someone to lead on the blue line. I hate to say it. I know people, Edmonton, you know, maybe there's not a whole lot of respect left for this guy, but in 2006, Pronger took them. And that's what they need again. They need that leadership from the blue line. Someone that can calm the kids down, say, just relax, we'll be fine. Here's what we're going to do. Jeff, thanks for listening, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guy. 780-496-0063. We have Paul on the line. I believe, Paul, are you, now are you in Bonneville? Uh, yeah. So people are calling from uh, my old uh, viewing region out in uh, the Lloydminster area. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, Paul? Uh, just maybe you can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but I've been watching a bunch of the games here, and I see some issues there with Eberle not wanting to pass to McDavid. You see Eberle breaking out of the zone. You see McDavid open, and I'm not too sure why the puck's going backwards towards the defense when the puck could be advancing forward. It's just a little conspiracy theory I see. And then numerous uh, two-on-ones, and Eberle decides to shoot rather than pass. Yeah, well, I don't, I, I, I don't think there's any issue there where he doesn't want to give McDavid the puck. I mean, cert- certainly Everly overhandles it sometimes. Um, I'm trying to think of specific examples. I-, I know there's been times he's tried to get the puck to McDavid and he's he's had it intercepted or he's missed them. I'm trying right. to think if there's any... Paul, I- I- I'm sorry, I-, I can't think of any times off my head where he tur- like openly turned down McDavid as a better option, but I'll- I guess I'll try to watch for it tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, could be a little bit of his uh, his skill there too, and being able to see that maybe the pass isn't going to get to him, where it's a you know bad pass in the center ice zone where he could get a hit or something. But trying yeah. to protect the kid, but well, I, I just see it sometimes. I'll say this, Paul: the last three games, especially, they have looked very hesitant and even somewhat confused offensively. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for calling, man. Yeah, you bet. All right, and uh, three points, Dave. You're going to get the final word of the hour. You got about. 75 seconds, buddy. Okay, sounds good. I'll be quick then. Um, first and foremost, i got a few points tonight. Um, I don't, honestly, Reed, you might disagree with me, but I don't really see the core of Hall, Eberly, and Nuge here in three years. Um, first and foremost, they're not big bodies. They don't play hard. They're not aggressive enough, in my honest opinion. And they don't play what I would call Peter Shirelli hockey. I watched Peter Shirelli with my own eyes build the Boston Bruins up. Uh, they had skill. They were aggressive on the puck. They were hard on the forecheck, and they never backed down from anybody. Hall, Nuge, and Ebbs, none of them do that. And as far as uh, getting a defenseman goes this off season, I would say that I honestly still believe that it'll be Ebbs to go first because center is a more important position going down the road into next season, and that's where Nuge, go- that's where Nuge comes in. I don't see Nuge going quite yet. But when I, I honestly think that in McDavid's third year of his contract, of his ELC, I do think that Connor will get the captaincy. And I do think that at that point, they will look at dealing Taylor Hall. And why do I think that? Mainly because, like I said, the size issue. And with dealing Hall and Everly, I do think at the end of the day, they will have more size and meat and potatoes, so to speak, in the top six. No, 
know, as far as the coaching goes, I'm with you, I'm with Rob, I'm with Stoss, 100%. It's not the coach's fault. In San Jose, he was a fantastic coach. He had his first three seasons there were 50-plus win seasons. In, in here in Edmonton, he, has, he and Chiarelli, they have inherited the roster that they've been given. McKeaton, Schultz, all these guys, they've got bad contracts. That's why it's been so bad these, all these years. It's, it's partly, of, it's, a lot of it's on the, the management, uh, poor development, uh, handing out horrible contracts to mediocre talent, stuff like that. But this season, don't give me this it's the coach crap. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that for an excuse. It's the roster. The players are. There's too many players on this team that feel like they don't care. Reed. I mean, the. the okay, we got to wrap it up, Katie. They look lazy. All right. Thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. I got to go to the news. Okay. Talk to you again. That's three points, Dave. All right. Coming up to the seven o'clock news. Uh, Rob Brown is up next as well. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chad.